This evening's reading from Habakkuk chapter 3, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shagayanoth. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed, but he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress, the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and arrived. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding, you trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the sheepfold, and no cattle in the stores, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments, this is God's word. Uh, evening, everyone. My name is Matt uh, Fuller, if we've not met. Let me lead us in prayer as we turn to Habakkuk 3. Our great God and Father, here are serious words. Here are words that uh, we need to know. We may not feel it at the moment. They may feel distant from us. We, we may feel, in, in some senses, a, a little recoiled by some of the language here, but we need to know this. Father, would, he, would um, what we look at this evening, would we hear you speak to us, building solid rock under our feet, so that with Habakkuk, we can say, on the day of calamity, when it comes to us, whatever that may look like, that I rejoice in God my Savior, and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer treading on the heights. Father, give us from this strong meat, a hearty meal this evening. Father, would here be ballast for the soul? Would here be strength to hold us upright in the fiercest of storms? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if, if, if you knew that Jesus was coming back next month, that would make a difference, yes? Now, we don't. Don't get, you know, obviously. Anyone who tells you they know the dates, you know, they're a heretic. But if you, if you knew, what are we, the 13th? The 13th of December, that would make a difference. Or the 13th of November, 
2023. That would make a difference. And obviously it would make a difference to your priorities and what you do with your time and money. Yeah, yeah, that would make a difference to those things. But in the flow of Habakkuk, that would make a difference to your pain, your frustrations, your disappointments. Life is not what I would have chosen it to be. It was only a month, only a year. That makes a difference emotionally when you know in a little while he comes, the new creation, heaven, the new heavens and the earth. That makes a massive difference. And if at the moment you're stumbling for whatever reason, illness, sickness, bereavement, work, finances, whatever it may be. If you're stumbling at the moment, oh, just, a, just another month? Okay, I can last a month. Just one more year? That's okay. That's okay. It's, it's not going to be hugely enjoyable, given what I'm going through at the moment, but that's okay. If you know that Christ is coming and the pains and the frustrations will disappear and the new creation begins, that does make a difference emotionally, practically, to each and every day. And what you have in Habakkuk chapter 3 is a reminder that Jesus is coming back. Actually, he's going to come as a heavenly warrior. So you best be ready for him. And if at the moment life is hard, wait patiently. He is coming. He's coming. If you've been with us, the, um, the book of Habakkuk, I, I can't, I've, I've changed my mind of these things. Why are we looking at this in the autumn term? Autumn term is like when lots of people arrive at church. So this is a pretty intense book of the Bible. Uh, I hope it's done you good. But the, the book of Habakkuk then, it, it wrestles with the question, how can God permit evil? Uh, acutely, how can he permit evil people and evil nations to triumph? That's the specific context. But how can he permit evil in this world if he's good and he's in charge? How can he do that? And the message overall of the book would be God will bring justice to this unjust world. So keep going. And rejoice while you wait. You can do that. God will bring justice to this unjust world, so keep going. Trust patiently. Rejoice while you wait. So if you've been here, chapter one was the dialogue then between uh, Habakkuk uh, and the Lord. So Habakkuk says, I look around my, my, my country and why do you tolerate political corruption, Lord? And the Lord says to him, don't worry, I'm about to bring it to an end because you're going to be invaded by the Babylonians. What? Why would you do that? I mean, they are horrific people. Chapter 1, verses um, 6 and 7, the Lord says, I'm raising up the Babylonians, the ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They're a feared and dreaded people. Why would you do that? Says Habakkuk. Why? Why would you tolerate them? And chapter 2, oh, it's just for a while. And chapter 2, judgment will come upon everyone but the wicked 
will be overturned. Whatever has done, whatever they've done, there'll be recompense was chapter two. And chapter three, Habakkuk responds with a song. He is an example of what we thought last time, chapter two, verse four. The righteous person will live by his faith or his faithfulness. Well, here's an example of that in the song, prayer of Habakkuk. God is going to come. So work through it like this. Uh, He pleads for the Lord to come, verses 1 and 2. He sees the king as he comes, 3 to 15, in this vision. He rejoices while waiting for the Lord to come. And then we'll think of that, three practical things for us. And if I'm going okay, that's about half our time, but we'll see. He pleads for the Lord to come. He sees a vision of the king as he comes. He rejoices while waiting for his king to come. Three things that you and I can take away. Let's work through it. First, then Habakkuk pleads for the Lord to come. Chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigianelf. Obviously, we all know what that means. Um, it's, it's a musical term, and no one knows what it means. It probably, they think, most likely re- refers to tempo, but we have no idea. But this is a song, you see, at the end of the, um, end of the chapter for the director of music, On My Stringed Instruments. You see the footnotes uh, at the end of chapter, excuse me, at the end of verse 3, there's a salah. You, you know, the Psalms quite often comes, and you get that again uh, in verse 9 and verse 13. So I, I think it's this. It's a song. Verses 1 and 2 are the chorus that you keep coming back to. You've got three verses uh, here, 3 to 9, 9 to 13, 14 to 15. You sing the chorus in between every verse, and then you've got a bridge at the end, um, verses 16 to 19. I think that's what it is, but anyway, who cares in one sense? It's a song that we've got here. Now, if you've been here for the whole lockups of Habakkuk, you know it's quite a change. Because he goes from chapter 1, verse 2, How long, Lord, must I call for help? How long is this going to go on for? Why do you tolerate the wicked? To the end of the book, verse 18, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. Um, But do take it all together. I mean, if you're ever going to put Habakkuk chapter 3 to music, if you're talented enough to do it, Please don't give it like Dancing Queen or, or something, you know, ooh, you know, I reg- you know, he's worked through, oh my goodness, there's evil. Why do you tolerate evil? And so I think by the time you get to chapter three, yes, he's singing, but it's a, uh, a stubborn, so- it's a song of stubborn faith, I will sing. It's Horatio Spufford. Four of my kids have just died. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. You don't sing that gleefully, superficially. That is a song of the righteous who live by faith. So you've got to bear that in mind. It's a, a defiant song of faith. I think it's rejoicing through tears by the time you get to chapter 3, verse 18. If you forgive me, the... Um, uh, sometimes singing is defiant faith, I, I think acutely in my own life. If you'll forgive me, uh, 10 years ago, um, uh, we'd adopted a little girl, and then a year after we'd adopted her, the adoption order was overturned, and um, we had to say goodbye. Uh, and it broke us. It just broke us as a family uh, in slightly different ways. But the song I listened to and sung over and over again, uh, 
difficult every day. It's by sovereign grace. Um, it's got good words. Thank you for the trial, for the fire, for the pain. Thank you for the strength, knowing you've ordained every day. But the reason I found it so helpful is it's an angry song as well. And I was angry and broken. And sometimes you need wonderful words, and it's got these sort of discordant guitars underneath it. It's an angry song, as well as a song of faith. Sometimes that's okay. This is what we have here. We have it plenty of times in the Psalms. Defiant singing. I will rejoice in the Lord, despite what's going on at the moment. But what we have here is a song about the Lord that you and I know is Jesus, who will return as the heavenly warrior. So be ready and wait patiently. Verse 2, you've got a couple of uh, statements uh, and then some requests. Verse 2, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. And as the verses go on to talk about, those are his deeds of destroying enemies. I mean, it's a song about destroying enemies. It's what it is. Much of the language taken from the book of Exodus. Lord, I, I've heard about how you broke Pharaoh. I've heard about that. So three requests. Can you do that again in our day? Can you, in our time, make that known? That you're that sort of God as well who judges wickedness? Can we see that right now? And thirdly, but in wrath, remember mercy, please. Which I think at first blush sort of reads as if there's alternatives. Yeah, you, you, please judge, but um, mercy for some. So judgment for those who are your enemy, but mercy for us. In your wrath, your righteous judicial anger, can there be some mercy as well? Well, the Christian knows that actually at the cross, both those things come together. There is justice of, and right judgment of sin, but mercy because it falls upon Jesus instead of you and instead of me. But if you ask the people of the Old Testament then of this chorus, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, if you asked Habakkuk, how do you know, how do you know that the Lord loves you? The answer would be, look at what he's done in the past. And often for, in the Christian life, how do, you, how do you know that God loves you, given your circumstances, given what you're enduring? How do you know that he loves you? Well, look at what he's done in the past. He came down in the Lord Jesus, and the perfect man died for me. I know he loves me. I know he's holding on to me. I know he'll take me home. How do you know he loves you? Often you look at what he's done in the past. Uh, Sunday mornings at the moment, we're in Romans chapter 8 for six weeks, I think. Um, we need that wonderful reminder, but you know, you get to, uh, I don't know if we got it, just verse 24, I think it is, uh, Romans 8, verse 24. La, la, la. There we go. Oh, 34, excuse me. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We do. No, no not yet. No, no, no. Um, just that one. That's what we need to know. Does, does he love me? Yes. He died. And he's conquered death for me. And he's in heaven now. 
interceding for me, making sure I get there. Of course I know he loves me. I know that. So Habakkuk, he pleads for the Lord to come, verses 1 and 2, to judge the wicked and save his people in mercy. But secondly, this is the main part of this prayer or song is this vision, these three verses that I think. He sees the warrior king as he comes. So verse 3, it's a description of the, the Lord coming in power. Uh, Taman, that's the region where Mount Sinai is. There's a reference to that. Uh, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens. His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. It's an extraordinary picture, isn't it? Again, I think of reference to Sinai. Uh, Exodus 19, God descends in fire and the people go, ah, terrifying, terrifying. Just, we, don't even want to, we can't even hear his voice. Moses, go and speak to him. We can't hear him. But it's amazing. Isn't it? he, I mean, it, we can easily have silly pictures, sort of um, Avengers pictures, but splendor like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hand. But, but do you see his power is hidden? These extraordinary demonstrations, they're just a hint. The most dramatic earthquake that raises a city to the ground, the most extraordinary electric storm causing devastation. That's God hiding his power? It's just a hint. It's just a hint. Um, I'm I'm nervous about showing this. Uh, Once a week, I go to a boxing club. Um, it's not fight club, it's not sort of, you know, don't get carried away, it's all, it's legit, it's, you know, it's old school, sort of spit and sawdust type thing. Um, and it's all pad work and uh, some sparring. Uh, uh, the bloke in charge, D, he's, he's enormous. He was a professional boxer, but then he got bored, so he took up uh, kickboxing and he got bored and he took up MMA. And he's just that sort of guy, he's qualified in five different martial arts, a black belt, he's worked on the doors of nightclubs. And you, if you just walked past him on the street and he gave you a stare, you would just cross the other side, okay? He's a big bloke and uh, pretty imposing. And occasionally, just occasionally, if you get to spar with D, I mean, he's 10 years older than me. I, I cannot lay a glove on him. His movement is extraordinary. He moves like a ballet dancer, uh, even though he's you know, massive bloke. Um, uh, and, you know, he, he can, when he does his kicks, he's like, ooh, up there. Like, you know, it's extraordinary uh, for a man of his age, incredibly supple. But just occasionally, he'll be sparring, be sparring, and I'll drop a guard, and he'll just come in and, and, and tap. And he knows pressure points as well, so he gets you on the bit that really hurts. Um, and it's just a little tap, and you're like, and you just sort of stumble and sometimes even fall down. He said, like, what is your problem? I did not hit you. Keep your guard up. Stay pretty. That's his big thing. You've got to stay pretty. Stay pretty. You know, um, that's his big line. Uh, and he, but he just taps. It's just a tap. And he says, you're all over the place. And not just me. Bigger men than me, all right? Um, <laughs> Uh, just a hint when you see the earth tremble when you see glory covering the heaven when you see a volcano explode just a hint that's God hiding his power not demonstrating it Verse 5, plague went before him, pestilence followed his steps Judges 5, also different biblical references here um I think he stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled. The age-old hills collapsed. He marches on forever. 
I saw the tents of Cushion in distress, people, not literally the tents, I think, the dwellings of Midian in anguish, terrifying. But the New Testament would say, oh yeah, when Jesus returns, it'll be terrifying. So 2 Peter 3, Patrick, 2 Peter 3 if we've got... Um, The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. And the elements will melt in the heat. The, the elements of creation will just melt. When Jesus comes back, the earth melts. Are you ready? It goes on. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams, verse 8? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses? No, of course not. He wasn't angry with the... But everything churned. Again, a reference to uh, Exodus 14, the, 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 the Nile collapsing on Pharaoh and his horses. You uncovered your bow, you called for many arrows, you split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed. The mountains saw you and writhed. I know it's poetry. 2 Peter says, yeah, that's exactly what will happen when Jesus returns. Verse 11, sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. What an extraordinary picture. Verse 12, in wrath... You strode through the earth in anger. You thrashed the nations. We thought about this already in Habakkuk. But in order for people to be liberated from evil, evil must be crushed. That's the description here. You see the Ukrainians celebrating at the moment as the city of Kherson is, is, is relieved. Why? Because there's been fighting and the enemy's been routed. Evil has to be crushed sometimes. Did you see, a few months ago now, but did you see the um, Elon Musk? He's clearly brilliant. Whatever you make of him, he's clearly a super talented, brilliant bloke, isn't he? Um, daydreamer, et cetera, et cetera. Worth a couple of quid, I think. Um, but did you see, like, uh, fairly early on in the war, he, he suggested he put forward a peace plan. Do you see that? I mean, it's pretty outrageous, really. Basically, he just says, look, I'm brilliant, so here's the solution, right? Ukraine, you give up that amount of land, and uh, Putin, you get it, and then you back off. And Ukrainian said, uh, who are you giving away our land? Naff off. And Putin said, no, no. But for, for uh, Elon Musk, he he's he's, was really surprised that Putin said no. This is a really good deal for him. Why would he not take it? It's like a really good deal. He gets victory and uh, this land without any more loss of life. Why wouldn't he take it? Because you can't negotiate with wickedness. Sometimes he's, Putin's not a businessman. Oh, is this a good deal? Maybe we'll throw in a couple more million and then I'll settle. It's not a negotiation with a businessman. He's an abhorrent dictator. And sometimes wickedness has to be crushed. You can't negotiate your way out of it. And that's the picture here. The extraordinary picture of judgment. In wrath you strode the earth, in anger you threshed the nations. 
I've been reading um, what, uh, uh, Bono's biography, Surrender, that came out a couple of weeks ago. Now, to most of you, I know he's just like a weird old bloke. I know that. Um, but in the 80s, he was magnificent, and the back catalogue, you know, they've written a tune or two, right, um, uh, over the years. Uh, but in the 1980s, like, when I cared. Uh, they really were very impressive. Go and watch, go to YouTube and watch Live Aid. It's magnificent. Uh, then performing, like they performed in London, then got on a plane and then performed in New York. That's pretty cool. And they'd had their hair cut on the plane. Oh, that's quite cool. Um, but they, you know, they're very impressive. But uh, mid 80s, uh, fourth album, I think it was, uh, The Unforgettable Fight. I hadn't realized this. They'd gone to an exhibition in Chicago and all the uh, art, all by paintings, all the artwork was done by survive, uh, survivors, excuse me, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And it was all artwork reflecting um, their experience, their trauma after that destruction. And the exhibition was called The Unforgettable Fire. And they said, oh, we'll have that as a title um, for the album. And it's, you know, it's a good album. And everyone knows Pride. You know, but the, the, most of the songs, are, 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 are pretty much the whole album is about the wickedness of humanity. I mean, it sounds a bit glum, doesn't it? Uh, but the wickedness of humanity in... Uh, heroin addiction in the song Bad, or uh, racism and, and murder, uh, all sorts of things. I mean, pride in the name of love. You know, that's the famous one, of course. Um, but, you know, it's about racism <laughs> and the murder of Martin Luther King. Um, but yeah, most people just go, hey, 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 uh, and bounce along. I know, I know. That, that, but the, the whole album is, is about that. The, 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 the title track, The Unforgettable Fire. Sorry, this is too long, isn't it? But The Unforgettable Fire... It is extraordinary. I mean, it's a masterpiece, I think, really. Quotes at length, Psalm 46. As the mountains, or if the mountains should tumble or disappear into the sea, not a tear, no, not I. Take me home. The unforgettable fire. Yes, it's Hiroshima, it's Nagasaki. Emblem of how, how destructive humans can be. But the real unforgettable fire is the Lord who will return and crush the mountains into the sea. And they sing, not a tear, when judgment comes, just take me home. He is the unforgettable fire. Compared to an atom bomb, that is nothing. Nothing. Compared to when the warrior king returns to this earth and brings judgment Jesus will return as the heavenly warrior. Are you ready? At the same time, verse 13, uh, Habakkuk can declare, uh, you came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one, and you crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. You came to deliver or save your anointed one. Now, some will know, anointed one, Messiah, it's translated Christ only four times in, the, in, in all of the prophets from Isaiah onwards is their reference to the anointed one. It's actually quite an unusual title uh, in, in the prophetic literature. But it finds its ultimate fulfillment in Christ as God's chosen one, his anointed one, his Messiah. And you think, yeah, but when Jesus came, first of all, he wasn't delivered. Actually, he, he suffered at the hands of the wicked. And of course, that's how God delivers his people. Because judgment upon the sins, small sins compared to the gross wickedness, yes. But relentless selfishness, our sin judged in Jesus. 
so that his people can be delivered. That's the extraordinary truth. And then Jesus is raised and Jesus' enemies are destroyed. Sin and death and Satan conquered. But the point here is don't domesticate God. The heavenly warrior is coming to judge this world. Remember who he is. So look, he pleads to the Lord to come. He sees the warrior king as he comes at last. He rejoices while waiting for his Lord to come. Habakkuk sees this overwhelming vision and uh, um, adds to the song. But three responses he makes, and I think they're all instructive for us. What are we meant to be doing? Well, like Habakkuk, I think, trembling, waiting, rejoicing. It's just the three, three then we're done. Trembling. Verse 16, Habakkuk says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Um, Hebrew is a less polite language than English, just so you know. So I heard my heart pounded. Literally, my belly had a tremble. Or I think we'd say in English idiom, I poop myself is what he's saying. But the English is more polite language than Hebrew is. I saw this and lost control. This was just overwhelming. Verse 2, I heard of your fame. But now, verse 16, I heard and saw this vision of you returning in glory and splendor to judge. And I lost control. And my lips quivered, that is, I was unable to speak. And my legs trembled, they gave way beneath me. He trembled. Well, of course he did. Because that's the consistent pattern throughout the scriptures. Someone encounters the Lord and they're overwhelmed. Of course. Isaiah 6, he sees a vision of the Lord and says, well, I'm ruined. Or Daniel 10, he sees a vision of the Lord and says, my strength is gone, I, I, can, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Or Luke 5, Simon Peter sees, recognizes who Jesus is and says, get away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And that is with glory veiled. Well, in Revelation 1, Jesus, excuse me, John sees the risen Jesus and says, I fell at his feet as though I died. But of course... What do you expect it's like to come before this God? What do you expect when a sinful man or woman sees the Lord in his glory? If you're a Christian, you can come. You can come because Christ has paid for you. You can come because Christ has brought you into the family. You can come. But as you come, do you remember who God is? He is the unforgettable fire. He is the heavenly warrior. You can come and you're safe. But remember who he is. Just occasionally you can be inside a house, your flat or whatever it is, and the weather outside is miserable. You know, with the sort of, you know, the window panes are just juddering and you can look out and there's lightning and you see a tree, you know. There's just occasionally those storms, even in the UK, you think, whoa, oh, I wouldn't go outside in this. Oh, I don't want to go anywhere. Oh, I'm glad I'm not outside in this. I'm not messing with that weather. Well, even as a Christian, you should be in Christ. 
but recognize, ooh, look, I'm not messing with that God. I'm safe here. Nothing's going to harm me here because I'm in Christ. But oh my goodness, that's terrifying. If you're not, if you're outside. And I can't work out if I'm odd or not. But there's just, can I, can I just say this, and you can tell me afterwards, I don't mind. Um, just occasionally, and we all wander in here in different moods, etc. but just occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll stand and look around and say, would you get your hands out of your pockets as you sing? You're singing to the Lord. Should we get on our knees as we pray? Should we? This is the overwhelming, this is the holy God. What are we doing? Now, maybe I'm odd. Maybe I'm a little further on in understanding more of the holiness of God. I don't know. You, you decide. But for goodness sake, know who he is. Don't stumble in. Don't yawn your way through a song. For goodness sake, he's the holy one. The Christian belongs to Christ. Yes, we can hear the, 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 the divine warrior is thrashing in anger, crushing wickedness, and think, I'm not facing that. Praise him. But that is who he is. So tremble at the thought of facing him unforgiven. Trembling. Trembling, verse 16. Waiting. Habakkuk is waiting. End of verse 16, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. So you say, okay, I've had this vision of the Lord, and I know what's coming. But before the Lord comes, we're about to get invaded by those horrific Babylonians who will destroy us. That's what comes first, and then Jesus comes back. Then the Lord comes. But in the short term, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Or verse 17, it'll be like this. The fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines and the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food and there are no sheep in the sheepfold and no cattle in the stalls. You see, I mean, that is everything in an agricultural society. You might think, I don't give a fig about figs. Yeah, yeah, very good. The, um, this is like, there is nothing. Do you remember we had a sort of hint of it, like March 2020, you know, before logistics got sorted out and you go to Tesco's and they're like, What? Like one frozen baked potato is left in the whole store. A frozen baked potato? What? Um, with like tuna already included. Oh my goodness. Um, that's it. The shelves are just empty. It's all gone. But there's a description of that, but not just for like a fortnight, for years. There is nothing, is what he's describing here. And yet, says Habakkuk, I will rejoice. I know the wait is going to be horrible, but it's not the end. So I can still rejoice. Much of the Christian life is waiting for Christ to return. The righteous live by faith. We live in faith in the promises of God that we don't see them all fulfilled yet. We wait. Much of the Christian life is waiting, and sometimes, sometimes it's hard waiting. We may suffer horribly, but we trust those promises. Now, Patrick, the rest of Romans chapter 8, verse 34, because it leads into verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, well, here's a list. 
trouble or nakedness or persecution or famine, or sure, nakedness again, or danger or sword. Why do you put that list up? Why does Paul include that list? Because realistically, Christians may face those things. And the righteous one says, yeah, I can wait through the horrible times. Just occasionally, I'll have a Sunday off and I'll go and visit something else. It's another church in London and, and you know, oh, okay, well, this is a church that uh, gets lots of airtime and people know of it, so people speak of it and I've never been, I'll go along. And it, sometimes you can wander in somewhere and the, and the message essentially is God is building a platform for your life to make you shine magnificently. And, you know, you just really want to stand up and say, What are you talking about? What are you talking about? How can someone wander in here if they've got cancer? Or their child has just given up on the faith? Or they've lost their job yesterday? What a... I mean, part of the fact it's just utterly untrue. How cruel can you be? Whereas Habakkuk says, Oh, everything may go, but I can still rejoice. I can still rejoice because I know what comes afterwards. We live by faith in the unseen promises of God. If you're stumbling right now, hold on. He is coming back. Most know, don't they? Horatio Spufford, it is well with my soul. His wife and four daughters uh, take a boat across the Atlantic from, from the UK to America. The boat goes down, the four daughters die. His wife telegrams him, you've lost your four daughters. He gets a boat across to go and collect his wife. And you, and you know this, don't you? It's at the spot where his four daughters died. He knows, he's conscious, that's, that's when he writes that song. And he's not writing it to the tune of Dancing Queen. He is saying with tears in his eyes, I've lost my four kids, but it is well with my soul and I can rejoice in my Lord. I can rejoice in my Savior. And even today, the Lord will give me strength and I can run like a deer on the heights. He will give me the strength I need for today. I know that's true. I trust I'll see them again. But today is a horrible day. And it'll be a long wait till I see them again. I'm waiting and I'm rejoicing. So that's the last thing, isn't it, he says, verses 18 and 19. I'll rejoice, despite the hardships to come, because I know that judgment of evil is coming. The Lord Jesus will take his people home. So I rejoice. In what? In my prosperity, in my life shining, in God raising... Don't be ridiculous. What piffle. I'll rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Saviour. Him. Him. He's the source of joy. Everything else can go. But I've got him and he'll take me home. Him. And the Lord will make my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He'll give me strength for each and every day as I look to him. So I don't know. If, if you are talented enough and you thought one day, I'm going to put Habakkuk chapter 3 to music. Can you just... Read the rest of the book, all right? <laughs> and no, this is, not, this is not for glib Europop. No, there's a time and a place for that. 
in a nightclub, etc. Um, this is a song of defiant faith, with tears in his eyes, with anxiety about what happens tomorrow. I will rejoice because I know what happens in the end. It's a defiant song of faith. We'll share the Lord's Supper in a moment. and we'll, we'll sing. No, we won't. We'll listen to as the Lord's Supper is being shared. I think an excellent defiant song of faith. But the heavenly warrior is returning to judge. The Lord Jesus says, I'll come. Are you ready for me? Have you taken refuge in me? And I'll come. So if you're stumbling at the moment, keep going. Keep going. Wait patiently. You can rejoice while you wait, even with tears in your eyes. But this heavenly warrior, he's coming. So be ready. Wait patiently. Let's pray together. Great God and Father, hear our serious words. At times, we desperately need to know that you are this kind of God. You are not a weak God. You are powerful and evil is destroyed. Father, maybe many of us who came in this evening thinking, oh, golly, that's a bit, bit strong. I needed some encouragement, but wow, that's an overpowering picture of the Lord. But times, there are times when we need it. Father, would we know that the Lord Jesus is coming back as a heavenly warrior who is irresistible? Would we make certain that we are ready by trusting, by putting faith in him and his work upon the cross for us? And Father, would you help us to keep going? Indeed, even to be able to rejoice while we wait, knowing that in the end, he does come. All wrongs are righted, and he'll take us to be with him in our home, the new creation. Amen.